0: Welcome back in. Brady Farka show here on this Friday on WDEV AM and FM and WDEV Radio.com. We're counting down towards game one of a new Red Sox series, Sox and Rays. We'll have the coverage for you beginning at 610 right here on your Red Sox station. Joining me now to preview that and talk a little bit about the series we just had with the Blue Jays, it's Jason Churchill over at Prospect Insider. He's also the host of the Baseball Things podcast. Jason, thanks for being with us. How
1: are you? Hey, good to be with you. I'm good. Hanging out here in uh in the Seattle area on the West Coast and uh watching from afar a very uh a very crowded uh, American League East, you know, just like uh I mean, literally just like we all expected.
0: Certainly is a crowded AL East, expected to be a great race that'll come down to the wire. You know, this is a, a story that we've been talking about all week here. I want your opinion on it. Red Sox got to the ALCS last year. Do you think they did enough for this off season to go quote all in on trying to get back there and beyond this year? Or do you think they left some moves on the table?
1: I think a, a club like Boston in in a market like that. I, I think the same thing about uh, the rival Yankees. I don't think you can ever get to a point where you're in March or April and think, "What an amazing offseason they did! Absolutely everything they could to put themselves in the bet. I, I just don't think that exists for franchises like that. Uh, I think the Dodgers are also there. Um, you know, the last couple of years, I think ever since the uh, the Mookie Betts situation and and, and the trade uh, sending him out of town the Red sox have operated a little bit differently than than they had the, the previous 15 years or so and, and they're not necessarily acting like uh you know one of those premium markets that they truly are so and, and that doesn't necessarily mean that they're not doing things and making moves I think they're trying to be smarter I think they're trying to do things from within a little bit more uh, and I think the Yankees are trying to do the same thing so to answer your question no i I thought they needed more starting pitching they took a couple of shots uh guys like James Paxton you know should be able to help at some point but I thought there were deals out there that that they could have made. Now, uh, again, player interest is something fans don't necessarily take in. some media don't really take into consideration. Some people do not want to play in San Diego or they do not want to play in the Northeast or they don't want to play out West or whatever it is. They don't want to play in the middle of the country. They want to stay in a time zone they're comfortable with or closer to home or whatever it is. So player interest is big. But, you know, throwing that aside, you know, why isn't Marcus Stroman, you know, in Boston? Why? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like things like that, like, I thought they needed a couple of two, three type starting pitchers, like two of them, maybe even three, to kind of fill that out. And that way the Tanner Houks of the world are bonuses when they blossom and they turn into, you know, everything you hope they are. And then all of a sudden you have a World Series rotation instead of one that's, you know, trying to edge their way into the postseason. It's just not what I'm used to seeing, you know, over the years, a Boston Red Sox organization, you know, at least the last 20, 25 years. That's just not normal for for them, and and we've seen that the last two three years. And and I understand the Chris Sale situation, but they lose Eduardo Rodriguez, you know, to Detroit, and really didn't replace him. I I, I don't think, and, and and I thought they needed to add to even what they had a year ago, especially considering the, you know, we go into seasons now with Chris Sale knowing that he's a Cy Young type pitcher, but. Is he going to be healthy again for 30 plus starts ever the rest of his career, yeah. especially the rest of his contract? So, no, I, I think the answer to your question is no, I don't think they did enough. Having said that, there's obviously a ton of talent there. You know, you look at guys like uh, Alex Verdugo could explode into, you know, perennial all star at any point. Um, and obviously, Bogart's endeavors and, and folks like that are kind of carrying the, uh, Uh, the lineup, and they're everybody as good as as advertised. But, uh, you know, adding Trevor's story was nice. I I, I think uh, that's a ballpark that fits him, but I just think on the pitching side, they came up short, certainly.
0: You know, I really like Chaim Bloom. I think he's got a great methodology for the future. I think trying to build a sustainable pipeline, and I think he'll spend big when the time calls for it, like the Dodgers have done. I think that's what he's trying to replicate. But that said, build for the future all you want, but You've also got to recognize that there is a now also, and that's where I do think, to your point, the Red Sox have come up short. But it does show you just how fine a line it is between trying to build for the future and trying to compete all at once.
1: It is. And, and if you're the Red Sox, you know, for me, the, where I sit, if I'm Bloom in this situation, I'm thinking ahead as well. I'm thinking about, all right, you know, what am I actually going to get out of Chris Sale And what are the what are the odds? I only get 10 starts out of them or 20 or 25 or none, you know, to be honest with you. Um, And and what's my situation beyond that in my starting rotation? What am I going to do at shortstop? Now, I think the story situation, you know, signing story, the long term deal at least covers their bases. If Bogarts ends up leaving, you know, obviously, ideally, you know, does it
0: cover their bases or does it push Bogarts out the door?
1: No, I think it. I think it covers. It, I don't think it pushes out the door because Story's playing second base right now, and and he's obviously shown some level of willingness to play second base. Now, whether there was some sort of wink, wink, handshake agreement that you're going to be our shortstop in 2023, I don't know. And if that's the case, it does change the equation a little bit. But if you're Bogarts and they offer you the money you're looking for, aren't you staying? Like that's where you've played your career, you've thrived there. Um, but so I think they've covered their their tracks a little bit. If they end up losing Bogarts, at least at the position. They'll obviously have to go out and add offense at that uh, at that point. But when you look at that rotation again, like, aren't we talking about the last year of uh, Nathan Yavaldi's deal? Yeah. So that rotation, you know, for twenty twenty three, is relying on not only how to develop, but maybe somebody else to come from the system and develop, and some of these one year guys to turn into more than one year options. Pa- Paxton, you know, Rich Hill, Michael Waka, whoever it might be and and to go year to year like that if you're the Boston Red Sox and you're trying to keep up with the Rays and the Blue Jays trending and obviously the Yankees are there every year and you know who knows what's going on with the Orioles uh, over the next 3 or 4 years but if you're trying to keep up and and like stay ahead of uh, in that division I don't think you can have a pitching offseason like the Red Sox just had I just don't think that's acceptable at all that what the the Red Sox did over the winter with their rotation is something that uh, something that the Orioles should have been doing this winter. It's something that the the Tigers should have been doing this winter. something the Royals should have been doing this winter, something the the Diamondbacks and the Rockies should have been doing this winter. You know, kind of pl- uh, playing the one year, you know, not necessarily bargain bin, but not committing long term, not taking care of things, not getting the, you know, the uh, the high probability, you know, returns that, uh, and that's why I mentioned Marcus Stroman. I think, you know, you're going to get 25 plus starts out of him. He's going to be at least a mid rotation guy moving forward. Why wasn't, why isn't that guy in a Boston Red Sox uniform right now, let alone taking the risk on the Carlos Ordons yes. and, and, and guys like that, you know, not that Max Scherzer shouldn't have been in their plans as well. Again, player interest does play, you know, play into this, but I just don't think they were aggressive enough in acquiring. And I'm, we're just talking about free agency. We can talk about trade as well. There were guys out there that that can be had on the trade market too. There's still one in Oakland. Why isn't Frankie Montas in a Red Sox uniform right now?
0: Yeah, I 100% agree. I thought they, you know, I this goes back to my early offseason plan, but I thought they should have flipped Bobby Dahlbeck to to Oakland and tried to get Manaya or Bassett or flipped him in some deal to the Reds. And there would have been other things you would have had to do to cover up for Dahlbeck's absence, but I would have been all in on something like that or trading Jaron Duran as part of a package to go and get some pitching as well. We're on the Brady Farkas show here on this Friday. We're talking with Jason Churchill, prospect insider in the Baseball Things podcast here as we count down towards Red Sox and Rays. I I think that the market is getting smarter, and I think Bloom's presence in the market, he's also smart. It's pretty clear they're not going to give a 30-year-old a 10-year, $300 million contract in Boston anymore. When it comes to Devers, 25 years old, on the cusp of, I think, MVP-type numbers, does he get a blank check from you, or is there a limit to what you would do for him as well?
1: See, this is where I go to my my development staff, my coaching staff, my infield coaches, my infield gurus throughout my organization, and say, and ask them, "How long is this guy sticking at third base? How long is this guy playable at third base before he becomes, you know, Pablo Sandoval late in his career? You know, he's a bigger guy. He's not great now. Catches everything he gets to, you know, right, you know, yeah. For the most part, I mean, that's yeah. kind of who he is. Uh, ultimately, in three, four, five years." You might have to move him across the diamond, or or even I don't want to say you have to DH him. It's not like he doesn't have good feet, uh, and, and he can certainly throw. But I don't want to give him you know the the top of the market third base money, uh, knowing that in four five six years on a you know the tail end of a you know a seven eight nine year deal. He's a first baseman. I, I think that's what I'm worried about, and I don't think it's an it's a really good bat, and it's a really good player, and he might be top five, top eight MVP votes, you know, as early as this year. And he, he's again, he's really good. I think he comes up short. This reminds me of a conversation I had years ago with some folks up here in Seattle about. Uh, the difference between a really good player and a great player and a difference between a really good hitter and a great hitter. And the best comp that I got was J D drew is really, really good. Manny Ramirez is great. Hmm. J D drew will hit bad pitching most of the time and good pitching. Occasionally Manny Ramirez will hit everybody all of the time. And I don't think Devers is Manny Ramirez or even anywhere near that. And nobody's saying he is, but that's the difference for me. And when it comes to these eight plus year deals, uh, I'm not on board with just handing those guys you know that that blank check, so to speak you know 30 plus million dollars a year for eight years, especially when I don't know where they're going to be playing. Would you give that to a first baseman? would you give 250 million dollars to any first baseman in baseball you know age 26 to, to 35? I wouldn't.
0: You know the thing is 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 I look at it. Devers is younger, healthier, and I think better than Corey Seeger. The only difference in my mind is that Corey Seager plays a more premium position and is likely going to be able to stick there. So that plays to your point about defense. Seager gets 10 for 325. I, I think just based on the market alone, Devers is going to have to approach and probably beat Seager. Do you not see it that way?
1: Yeah, I don't. And I do think there's, in terms of value, there is an enormous difference between being a playable third baseman and a playable shortstop. So even though you're right, that there's the reason right there. There's the, there's the reason, but, but to be honest with you, I wouldn't have given Corey Seager a ten and yeah. three twenty five either. You know, uh, maybe if I'm Boston, I would have. You know, because maybe he puts me over the top offensively, and I can move Devers to first now, and and I'd still do the story thing, and you know, my lineup is stacked now. But uh, I wouldn't have given Seager ten and three twenty five. I think in a vacuum, you know, eight and two sixty is probably about as far as I would have gone for uh, for Corey Seager. Um, but when I look at Devers, like we're talking about a, a bat that w- when you look at, I use WRC plus quite a bit because it's, uh, uh it, it's fairly neutral and environment neutral. Devers isn't there yet, yet to, to where Corey Seager is. I think the, 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 the equalizer here is that Devers has been a little healthier than Corey Seager, at least the last, um, three plus years, he's been a little healthier than Seager and that that's the concern. But if we're assuming both guys are healthy, I'm taking Seeger all day. You know, every day, all day uh, over Devers. Even if we delete the defensive part of it, Seager gets the edge here. And it's close, but it's still clear that it's Seager for me. But Devers is going to get a ton of money. He's going to deserve a ton of money. And he's going to be able to handle third base at least for a little while. It's just how long can he hang on over there? It's not exactly, you know, the best body type. What's he, 6 feet, 245? Uh, You know, 25 years old is is fine. But when he's 30, what does that look like?
0: Real quick. How much do you factor in, like lineup protection or lack of lineup protection, when you're thinking about how much to pay these guys? Like, I, I would say it's it's fair to say that JD Martinez being here and Xander Bogarts being here has helped Devers in terms of getting pitches to hit. JD's in the final year of his deal. Don't know if he's going to be back, and even if he is, he's going to continue to you know not be quite as good as he was a few years ago. And Bogarts might very well be gone. So you're projecting Devers then as the principal part of your lineup as opposed to a just good portion. Of it. How much does that factor into his future in your mind?
1: Yeah, quite a bit, especially if you're thinking of him as mostly an offensive player because that's that's what he is even now, and that's going to become even more true as he ages. He doesn't give you a ton of value defensively. doesn't give you a ton of value on the basis, certainly, but he's a really good bat. So what is that worth to you? And and I think the history, the, the short history uh, with that front office there is, we're not necessarily going to do this. Um, are they going to pay both Bogarts and Devers? Is that the is that the feeling out there? Are both of those guys getting paid? You know, at or near the top of the market? I find that very hard to believe. And they reportedly.
0: Yeah, they reportedly offered Bogarts a four-year, ninety-million-dollar contract, which is only one year and thirty beyond the deal he already has. So it seems to me like Bogarts is not going to be here. That's what it feels like.
1: Right. So offering Xander Bogarts, who's going to be the top shortstop on the market next year, four and ninety, is not an offer at all. It's right. a PR. It's a PR stunt. Yep. We offered him a four-year extension. We've seen that in Seattle here for years. Started way back with A Rod. We know exactly what that looks like here. Four and ninety for that guy. I mean. You know, granted, the timing of it, you know, matters quite a bit, but that's not a real, that's not a serious offer. So we'll see where it goes. Do they change their mind? Do they go, you know, six and do they give them Marcus Simeon's deal? Because that's probably what it's going to take. You know, I I, I don't know. And if they do, and if you give Bogart's 160 to $180 million, are you then going to turn around and give, you know, Devers something similar? I mean, I I don't know. I don't really have a feel for that organization giving anybody, you know, big time, long-term money.
0: So. Well, Bo- Bogarts and Devers both have Scott Boris as their agents. It feels to me, Devers has gotten so close, he's going to want to go to the market and go for 350 plus. That's what it mm-hmm. feels like to me. And I think Bogarts is going to be so offended by what they've just offered him. To your point, it's it's not an offer. So we'll, we'll continue yeah. to play out this uh, off-season drama, in-season as we go. So... Uh, Jason, I could do this all day, but we got to get ready for Red Sox baseball. As they're taking on the Rays here in a bit, and uh, we will talk to you again down the line. It's the Baseball Things podcast, and Jason, you can follow him on Twitter, Prospect Insider. Jason, be well. We'll talk to you again soon.
1: You got it, Brady. Thanks.